Grace had a special this morning. You know, during this season, as we approach the celebration of our Savior's death, more and more people are will come to church. Those of you that are saved, or those of us that are saved, we have a home in heaven. It's there for us. And if we don't let the world get, get us down, we'll be there. I'm not saying that you know, you're not you're going to lose your home in heaven. But don't let the world drag you away from your home. That's the title of this song. I'm too near home to turn back now. But if you're here this morning and you're not saved, I'm going to tell you point blank, you do not have a home. And you will not have a home until you do that. I was so excited about the three. One of them was an answered prayer that I'd been praying for for a year and a half. So don't stop praying for people. They need it. And our young people need it more, I guess, more than we did because the world has changed. But we're too near home to turn back now. I've been traveling here in this life. With its heart of trouble and strife Sometimes Satan tries to tell me to turn aside I say Satan, get the key high No returning in me you'll find I'm too near my heavenly home where I'll abide I'm too near home with my Lord To be sweet heaven's reward I'm not returning to sin I've made my vow there's nothing to go back to. Oh, praise God, heaven's in view. I'm too near my heavenly home, and I'll not turn back now. There is joy in going this way. It gets sweeter every day. My dear Lord is leading the way to realms above. He'll be with me unto the end. Be my Savior, guide, and my friend. I'll arrive in heaven, my home of perfect love. I'm too near home with my Lord to this great heaven's reward. I'm not returning to sin. I've made my vow. There's nothing to go back to. Oh, praise God, sweet heaven's in view. I'm too near my heavenly home, and I'll not turn back now. I'm too near home with my Lord to this great heaven's reward. I'm not returning to sin. I've made my vow. There's nothing to go back to. Oh, praise God, sweet heaven's in view. I'm too near my heavenly home, and I'll not turn back now. I'm too near my heavenly home, and I'll not turn back now. All right, great job, amen. Man, this Lisa can talk fast, man. And uh, they did great. They did great. All right, yes, it is. Countdown to Easter. I was hoping to to get this in, to keep it up. Uh, uh, just that's what God's called me to do, uh, preach His Word. And uh, we had already, matter of fact, uh, Trey and I had, we lined out the sat down Tuesday of this week, spent several hours lining up the whole summer. Uh, he's going to be helping out a lot. He was already scheduled to preach tonight. And uh, we're looking at the second Sunday night of every month, 
but it's going to turn out to be a, a this it schedules uh, even more than that and uh, including my own uh, the Lord's uh, been blessing me already and uh, I'd already kind of told the Lord and and uh, uh, you know I, I don't want to overdo it I want to stay honed in on promised land but I enjoy preaching revivals I said Lord if if you just give me, I've already preached one. I said just, I said five's plenty, and uh, they all came in last week, and a boom, 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 boom. And so I said, okay, Lord, that's five's enough. And uh, so they're all lined up already, and so I have four more to go. Uh, so Trey will be helping if I happen to miss on a Sunday night, kind of like we're doing, Brother Joe Morell. Uh, he's lined up to come, and. Uh, so looking forward to hearing him. He's going to feed our soul. I think you're going to be surprised if you've not heard him speak. I want him to. I want us to worship. I want us to have revival. I want us to draw closer to God. Or well, some people already are, and uh, it's it's so easy to just let church be a a byproduct of Sunday. Well, Sunday's when we go to church. Saturday's whenever we do whatever we want. A lot of people can't come make it to Sunday school because they played too hard on Saturday. And uh, I think that kind of, you know, we will we will make our kids be in bed at a certain time for for school. A lot of times we won't do that for for the Lord and uh, for Sunday school. Oh yeah, we're getting up early to go to school, but. We don't have to be here till 10 o'clock for Sunday school. That's two hours later than elementary or junior high or senior high school. And I don't know if you've ever given that much thought, but uh, we make a lot more preparations for just our temporary education rather than our spiritual education. And uh, so just give that some thought. We'd love to see you in Sunday school. I am super, as uh, some people say today, uber excited about our Sunday school people coming, and uh, I hope and pray that you'll make it a point to be here. Uh, go ahead and open your Bibles again to Matthew, Matthew chapter 27, and we last week we had Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane suffering. This week we're looking at the trial real quick in a couple of other places. You know, I've heard of people saying, this is the fight of the century. This is the trial of the century. Well, this is the trial of all time. I've always been fascinated. I'm a big fan of John Grisham. been fascinated by the courtroom scene. Uh, uh, for many years, uh, I was the videographer for my sister's business. And uh, she, uh, uh, just a well-established uh, court reporting service, now doing the same thing in Arkansas. And uh, they're in East Texas and all over. And I was her videographer for just, oh, my goodness, I've sat through so many boring depositions. It's unbelievable. And uh, learned all about medical terms, especially those medical depositions. And uh, and sitting, I've always been fascinated. I've had to present uh, different videos in different courtrooms and different what working for my sister and hired out by the lawyers and whatnot. And so it's always been fascinating. And... Uh, there's a bunch of different courtroom scenes. I think about, you know, Fort Smith, you know, hanging Judge Parker up there in Fort Smith, you know, famous hanging judge and judges. That's been around forever. 
Even in the, in the Bible says we're all going to stand before the great white throne judgment. If you're lost, if you're saved, the judgment seat of Christ. So there's two judgments, one for the saved, one for the lost. We're all going to be judged is uh, my point. If maybe you've never been in a courtroom or a courtroom scene. Maybe we've been in too many courtroom scenes, uh, some of us. Uh, I know one time uh, I had a pulpit committee said, uh, well, Pastor, I know you may not ever get this question. Have you ever been in jail? And I was, yeah, I was ready for the question. I said, yes, sir. I said, and we're going to hire you as our pastor? I said, I was with my dad. He's a state trooper. We were putting somebody in. And uh, so, yeah, I've been in jail. And uh, so, anyway, and I, I loved it when I went to work with him. I, you know, I love the, uh, what was that uh, movie? Uh, was it A Few Good Men with uh, Jack Nicholson and Tom Selleck? You can't handle the truth! Famous line. And uh, so, <clears throat> there's, I mean, courtroom scenes have fascinated us. Are they innocent or guilty? Um uh, matter of fact, I loved it, this black and white movie. And uh, the whole movie, man, well, you can tell me after church, don't blurt it out, but uh, the whole movie is in a courtroom. And uh, and I forget, you can tell me after church, but it's just a great movie, fascinating. The whole thing's in a jury deliberating. And it was with Jimmy Stewart, I believe. Yeah. And uh, just love those old movies about courtroom scenes. Well, Let's look at this courtroom scene. Really, it was a mock trial. It was a fake trial. And in Matthew 27, beginning with verse 11, let's pick up the story. He's been arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. The first place he goes, if you harmonize everything, is he goes to Caiaphas, the chief priest, and he goes before the... Basically, the Jews have him. But they have to bring him to Pilate, Pilate hears that he's a Galilean under Herod's jurisdiction. This is all portrayed in the movie, The Passion of the Christ, which we showed a clip of last uh, Sunday morning for a demonstration of what it might have looked like in the garden. Well, anyway, and it was dark. It was at night. It was in the middle of the night that they arrested him. It was in, it was in off hours when they conducted all this. So he went to the house of Caiaphas. Many of the people in this room have walked on those very steps. That Those steps are still there today, going up to the house of Caiaphas. The dungeon that they held Jesus in is still there today, um, The that first place. He went to Pilate, then he went to Herod, because Pilate heard he was a Galilean under Herod's jurisdiction. So he went to Herod, then he went back to Pilate. And then, of course, Pilate came to the decision, do I release Barabbas? Or do I release Jesus? And that's what we're going to look at this morning. The trial of our Savior. In verses 11 through 14, we see His meekness. And meekness is not weak, but look. And Jesus stood before the governor. And the governor asked Him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest it. And when he was accursed, excuse me, and when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witnessed against thee? 
And he answered him to never a word, insomuch the governor marveled greatly, probably acting differently than any prisoner that he had ever had before. Matter of fact, I probably sense that Pilate sensed something about this man that he had never witnessed before. He couldn't believe the demeanor of Christ. He couldn't believe the reaction of Christ. He couldn't believe that this fellow was just standing idly by while they were making all these accusations. Meekness is not weak. Meekness is this. I mean, I remember one time there was this new kid in school and we had a pep rally in the gym. Our school didn't have football. We just had uh, basketball, track, baseball. It was a small school where I went, Huntington High School. Huntington Red Devils. That's what I graduated as. And the Huntington Red Devil. And uh, my friend Adrian, he's teaching there now. I pick at him. I said, yeah, you went from being a bulldog to a red devil and uh, a mascot. And this new kid, and he was, uh, <clears throat> he was about my size. He wasn't in high school. I, I was same height I am now, but imagine me 50 pounds less. I'm just skinny. And uh, anyway, this old boy, he is a bully. He has been an idiot. But he, he was smaller than me, and he was this new guy was sitting in the bleachers. We were, I think I was a junior then, and he was just thumping his ear. Just thump. This new kid. Yeah. I said, uh, you better leave the new guy. He thumped his ear three or four times and quit. I said, uh, Derek, I said, you better leave him alone. That ear was getting blood red. That fellow just kept, would you stop it? That fifth time or ever what it was, he thumped his ear. That new kid got up and whooped the snot out of Derek. I mean, just boom, boom, boom. And we was all trying to pull. I wasn't pulling too hard because I was like, Derek's getting what he deserved. You know, and uh, there was a couple of teachers jumped in right then. It didn't last long, maybe 20 seconds. But the fellow was being meek. Meek is not weak. Meek is saying I'm not I'm 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 restrained. I'm holding back. Meek is not weak. Matter of fact, the Bible says the meek when Jesus preached the Beatitudes, the meek will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek. I you know, I've got all the efforts of heaven behind me. I mean, Jesus said in just a second, we're gonna turn back just a couple of pages or in my Bible, just a little ways. Look at Matthew twenty six, verse fifty two. Yep, two pages. He's being arrested in Matthew twenty six fifty two. Then said Jesus unto him, he told Peter, put up your sword. Peter had tried to chop that guy's head off, missed, got his ear. At least that's what we think. We don't know. I don't assume he was aiming for his ear. What, would, what good would that do? He said, put up your sword. Verse 53, thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father and he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels. Some say a legion was a thousand to three thousand. Well, who cares? One angel can whip thousands of men. So let's just say 12,000 angels, uh, they're done for. I mean, Jesus was not weak. He could have whipped them all. I mean, they were arresting him. And he said, I am Jesus of Nazareth. I know he just said, I am he. But he said, I'm your guy. Boom, they all hit their backside. Jesus was not weak. He, he, he said, I am meek and lowly. Come unto me. And you can find rest for your souls. 
with all the mess going on in the world, I need some rest. Spiritual rest. Sometimes physical rest. He did not defend himself. If you look at Isaiah, it won't take you long. It's a huge book to find. Isaiah 53. This Isaiah 53 is all about your Savior and mine. It is an awesome messianic prophecy or prophecy concerning the Messiah. The whole thing. I mean, if we just pick it up, I know I've got the one verse marked, but it says he's, he's, he comes into the scene. In verse 3, he says he's despised and rejected. Verse 4 says he bears our sorrows. Verse 5 says he's wounded for our transgressions. He says in verse 6, just like I talked about with the kids, we're lost. And notice the prophecy of verse 7. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shears is dumb, which means he doesn't speak. So he openeth not his mouth. Sometimes as a whole, man, I have seen people, man, you agitate them and their mouth is coming open. You know what I mean? I mean, that's the way, that's the culture we live in. Man, and and some people say, if you just say a word against me or my family, you know, you've heard those yo mama jokes or all sorts, that's a big thing, you know. And uh, this and that, don't be dissing my family because I will whoop. Jesus said, just keep your mouth shut. They, can, they will say all manner of evil against you. You know what he said? All manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. First Peter, the whole book of First Peter is about suffering as a Christian. We should not suffer as evildoers. Derek. Got whooped. I don't know. He must have got a, a, a half a dozen good licks. He was bleeding on his lips. And I said, that's worse than that red ear, wasn't it, <laughs> at lunch. And uh, that was back in the days when he got, he 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 didn't get ISS. They didn't have ISS when I went to school. They had whoopings. <laughs> that's what happened to Derek. <laughs> and uh, so, wow. Well, just saying. But, uh, you know, I said, yeah, was that worth it? No. Crazy. Don't mess with somebody you ain't never seen before, especially the same size as you, if not bigger. Well, Jesus, he, he, he kept his mouth shut. They were, listen, they were dissing his father in heaven. They were, everything about him, they were lying about him nothing i know most everybody in here is like me you don't and i don't be anybody lying about me jesus said it's going to happen especially the more listen to me if you don't want anything to happen to you don't live for jesus just be neutral sit on the pew Amen. Boom.
Don't even amen me, because that might get you in trouble. Uh, just, just be nice and put three dollars in the plate and uh, say a prayer, and the world you'll blend right in with every uh, the whole world. Somebody said, "Well, I go to church." I said, "So Judas." He did. He was a part. He was a church member. Had his name on the roll, but he was lost. The trial of the Savior. Jesus was meek. How, how are we going to respond? How are we going to respond, folks? This trial was foolishness. My Savior was innocent. But you know what? Basically, is this: if you Die without Christ. You're going to be before an almighty God. Some people say, I lived a good life. But God's saying, this is His standard. It's 10,000 miles. Can't, and, you know, and your standard is how high you can throw a rock. You know, uh, it's definitely not 10,000 miles. And so, and then all of a sudden, we're standing before the judge. And we say, judge, I did, I was a nice guy. I went to church. I gave three dollars or did whatever. It don't matter. He says, depart from me. I never knew you. If you're saved, when you're standing before the judge, listen to me very closely. When you're saved and you're standing before the judge, Jesus walks in, puts his arm around you, and said, he's mine. Every sin he's ever done, Put it on my account. The cross has already paid for it. The judge says you're innocent because of Jesus, not because of anything I've ever done. Everything people say, I heard, as a matter of fact, I heard it this last week. You know, I was talking to somebody about losing their salvation. They were other uh, different religion, and they said, you know, what you Baptists think that you can live any way you want? I said, no, I don't want to live any way I want. And when I mess up, I feel horrible because the Holy Spirit of God convicts me about it. When I can't do right or I don't do right, I don't make wise choices. I say something I shouldn't say or do something I shouldn't do. God's Holy Spirit convicts me. I don't want to live like the world. It doesn't mean I don't make mistakes or I don't pop off or say something or do something I shouldn't do. I'm saved, but I'm also still in this flesh. And this flesh is foolish. Jesus was the only one who lived in flesh without sin. Adam and Eve were for a while. And that's why Paul said Jesus was the second Adam. Adam wasn't meant to be our Savior, but Jesus was. An undeserving substitute. Verse 15. Now at that feast, the governor was wont or was looking for a reason to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would. That was their custom. And then and had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? For he knew that envy... For that for envy they had delivered him. 
when he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, so she slipped him a note. She's watching all this through the window or over the shoulder or ever how. And she said, have thou nothing to do with that just man, because I've suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. And the word destroy literally means to tear into pieces, by the way. The governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the two or twain will you that I release unto you? And they said, Barabbas. If you look concerning Barabbas in Luke 23, you don't have to turn there. It just says that he was a murderer and a a person that stirred up seditions and strife. But I want you, because of time, please go with me to two incredible passages. Matter of fact, I put that in the bulletin for you. This is two incredible passages in 1 Peter. Now, this is concerning our Savior. He's going through a trial he does not deserve. They're going to find him guilty for no other reason than we belong on the cross. He died in your place. He was not guilty. He took your place and my place too. First Peter, they go right together. First Peter chapter 2 and First Peter chapter 3, two incredible passages. First Peter 2:21. For even hereunto are you called. You know, you're saved and you're following the Lord because Christ also suffered for us. What did I just tell you all First Peter's about? Suffering as a Christian. Jesus is an example that you should follow his steps. Verse 22, who did no sin. Oh, by the way, who's writing this? The same fellow who publicly said, I've never met the guy. Jesus gave him another chance. If you've messed up in your life, Jesus is waiting on you to give you another chance. I don't care how many times you've messed up. Neither was what? Guile found in his mouth. He didn't have a... Whenever people slapped him, pulled his beard out, and spit on him, he never made a cross remark. You say, well, he's a bigger man than I am. That's no joke. He's a bigger man than me too. He's the Savior of the world. It's hard for us to do that, but he did leave us a pattern to follow. You know what I mean? Move on. Who then, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him, God, that judgeth righteously. Verse 24 is the last verse I'm going to read here. Then we're going to go to chapter 3. What does it say? Who his own self bear whose sins? Our sins. In his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin, talking about if you're saved, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed if you are saved. Chapter 3, verse 18. For Christ also has suffered for sins. Notice the comma. The just for the unjust. 
That's me. I do not deserve heaven. I don't care if I give a gazillion dollars to the Salvation Army. I start a thousand churches in Africa and adopt a million kids. No offense, Karen, but, you know, that'd be a lot of kids to adopt. Good works can, I am unjust. He is my Savior. I need a Savior. If you've never invited this Savior, Jesus Christ, into your heart, as Brother Don Wallace said, you do not have a home in heaven. Last point. Back in Matthew 27, it says, We are not innocent. Verse 22, this is our text. We're just going right along with this. We haven't missed a beat. Verse 20, we've covered all the way through verse 21, 22. Pilate said unto them, what shall I do then with Jesus, which is called the Christ? And folks, I'm going to look all of you right now in the eyeball, and that's your question. What are you going to do with the man who's called Christ? You know what I mean? Have you ever thought about that? You've done something with him. You've, put him, you've either accepted him or you put him off. Are you rejected him? What are you going to do with the man called Christ? They said, let him be crucified. The governor said, why? What evil hath he done? And they cried out the more, let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but rather atonement was made, he took water and washed his hands. Before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just man. See ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and our children. Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. And y'all have heard me preach this sermon before about the four people in hell. If we could visit hell today and somehow, have you ever been on those, uh, those little tour Things at Disney World or Six Flags or some other little park and you go by. If we could take a little air-conditioned tour bus through hell. We'd want it to be air-conditioned, by the way. We see these men suffering. They can't see anybody else and we're just looking in over their shoulder. There'd be a man with a bowl, a pitcher, with no water in it, but he's sitting there washing but he cannot get the blood off his hands for eternity. And that man's name is Pilate. If Pilate never accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior, that's where he is today in hell. And he's still trying to get the blood off his hands. But he can't do it. And you know, the Bible says this very clearly. In hell, people have a memory. Very clearly it says it. Matter of fact, the rich man died in hell, and he said, Could you tell my five brothers, lest they also come into this place of torments? And I preached the Father's Day message one time. What's wrong at Daddy's house when one son's in hell and five are on the way? I've been a good daddy. All my sons are rich. One's in hell and five are on the way. The Bible says that in Luke 16. What's wrong at Daddy's house? The crowd cried out, 
His blood be on us and our children. That was a prophecy for them and for us too. The Bible says that if you don't warn somebody about a coming judgment, their blood's going to be on your hands. And please, I know we're getting ready for the invitation, but just please take a moment to say, What am I going to do with Jesus? What am I going to do with Jesus? That's what Pilate said. What shall I do then with a man who is called Christ? Brother Norman and our musicians come. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Father, I thank you for this time we've had this morning. I thank you for the attention everybody has given. It's just been awesome. Just been just great. I pray that your Holy Spirit has taken... Some of the words that have been said, taking your word and planted it deep in our hearts where it can take root and grow. Dear Lord, if somebody needs to make a decision here, there's somebody that's lost. In other words, they don't know you as their Savior. I pray that they'd call on you while they have this opportunity. In Jesus' name. Amen.